Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing killing Me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. We hope that everybody is keeping themselves safe and healthy and that their families and friends are healthy. Uh, We hope that you're doing whatever you need to do to keep yourself that way and you're doing whatever you need to do for your mental health. We wanted to let you know that we extended the deadline to submit short dance films for quarantine and dance fests. When we originally picked the dates, we were kind of going off of the like two to three weeks of isolation that was recommended by public health. And now that doesn't seem to be the case. So the new deadline is Friday, April 3rd at midnight. The online viewing party will be held the following Friday and you can submit via the Google link in our bio. It's just a Google form where you input all your info really easily. Click submit. That's it. That's all. It is a one to two minute dance film. It can be one long take. You can edit something together, whatever you feel like doing. We just want to see you move in whatever way makes you feel good. Let us know if you have any questions or comments about that. And then this week we have the wonderful Rachel Karens and we had a fabulous talk with her about things that we haven't had a chance to talk about before and that we think are really important. So stay tuned, let us know what you think and we'll see you next week. Hey, my name is Rachel Karens and I am an actor in Toronto who also writes and directs and produces stuff. It's pretty easy. It's pretty casual. Nice. Yeah. Great. I'm down. Um, A friend of mine that I work with recently was like, um, she's like, oh, I found your podcast. And I downloaded the first like 10 episodes. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And we usually delete that like those first episodes for sure. (laughs) Everyone's first episodes like that are like usually brutal or just like something that I would imagine as the artist, you'd be like, I can't. You just like haven't found your like rhythm or tone. No, No. not at all. Anything. Yeah, yeah, we need to delete them. I think it's time. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's ultimately a good sign because it shows that like you're progressing in terms of your, yeah. you know, understanding of this medium and style. And mm-hmm. yeah, I had a mentor once say like, you should always be embarrassed by your like work right. from like years yeah. ago. You should, you should look at it and be like, oh, I could do that better. Or, oh, totally. I would do it yeah. this way. He's like, it means you're growing and that's ultimately mm-hmm. good. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's an interesting thing to like, not that I've like listened to them, but like to think about and, and to have like other people listen to them and just like remember and be like, oh, I don't just like, you should just like start at the top. You should start with our most recent <laughs> one. And they're like, why? And I was like, just do it, please. Yeah. They're going to be better. Also, like, I mean, when I'm like researching or like looking at podcasts, I like never, like, I don't like ever think that I have to go in an order unless it's like, you know, like a story or mm-hmm. right kind of podcast. But if it's like interviews, I literally only just like pick the ones of like people that I like am interested in or people that I might know or like, yeah, it's never, I never like start from the top and go on. Mm-hmm. But no. Teach their home, I guess. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I, I was- also do the same thing with TV actually. But- you just go from wherever i never start with the pilot episode wow really yeah wow, i start child. usually like midway through the first season okay because Why? i like know <laughs> that it's not going to be a good example of what the tv show actually is lucas like my partner like loses it on me because i like <laughs> literally can't start things from the beginning yeah. because the first episodes are always like they unless it's like dramas so or like you know like the bodyguard or like something that's like you know <laughs> going through <laughs> What? <laughs> great. That's a yeah. Anyway, okay. or like you know, mini like a series. Then um, I just like start in the middle. 
Yeah. I feel like the characters were like developed then. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and like see how it comes. But like you need something to like hook you right Mm -hmm. away. And then like the first episode, if I don't like one thing, I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Competition is fierce. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) So that's why. That's why. (laughs) Oh, God. I feel like we should like redo our first episode. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like a remake. Yeah. Just because it's like just the two of us and like talking about why we think we're doing what we're doing and like where we come from. Mm-hmm. And I feel like two years ago is it's like, doesn't feel like a long time, but at the same time it is a long it's time. Forever, yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting idea. That's yeah. not bad. Hmm. So interview each other. Mm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get you to say yes on air so that you have to. <laughs> I know your tactics. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think I said maybe? Nice. Um, I was watching your series. Yeah, your feet this morning. Oh, the the shoe shine one. Yeah, yeah, dude. Why shoe shine? That's so interesting. An actual job that I have. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't just like pull that out of the ether. I was like. (laughs) I was like, this is a job. It's super quirky and weird. And like your interactions with customers are kind of the perfect length of a episode. Right. It right. felt so episodic and webby to me. So I, and at that point too, I had, it was the first thing that I've made. And um, yeah, I was, I guess I was 25 when I made it maybe, but I was getting to a place where I felt I had just been acting and it was going relatively well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think as an actor, for me at least, wanting to be, be a teenager who had decided, I want to try to make a career of this. That first part was so much just like, I got to get into a drama school. I got to get into a drama school. And then it was like, I got to get through the drama school. I'm going to get through the drama school. And then you're like out of drama school. And then all of a sudden you're like, I have to prove to my parents and my agent and myself that like I can actually work. And then I did right. that. And then I kind of came into a clearing and I was like, oh, like, yeah that thing about you're really just waiting for the phone to ring is like very true. And I don't actually know if I can like sustain that for forever, you know, as you grow your relationship to time, all of a sudden sort of mm-hmm. mutates. So yeah, I began to be like, well, how can I figure out what my voice is or, mm-hmm. you know, if it's more than a vanity project, like what do I want to, do and so that was just um yeah an idea that came to me and I had the friends with cameras and stuff and the ability to make it and I kind of popped it out and that was the beginning of my journey of of writing and making things right yeah they're like it would the one that I one of the ones that I watched this morning that was like kind of made me sit back a little bit was smile oh and that like interaction feels so awkward yeah yeah. <laughs> and it feels like he, and like, even the one after I was like, are they going to make out? Like there was like so much tension in between the characters. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It's, is it like that? Uh, it's like, that's a heightened version okay. of it for sure. But it is definitely, that's one of the things that interests me about the shine. Like for people listening of no context, it's like, there's a shoe shine in Toronto. We're situated down in um, like, we kind of service like Bay Street clientele. So mm-hmm. it's like specifically men of a certain age, of a certain income bracket, and like young women 
And for the most part, also, like, a lot of us are artists, so that's a certain income bracket. And I just think, like, coming face to feet, those two people, it's a lot of of lot of material for interesting fodder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there is kind of that dynamic of like I'm a cute young thing, you're this older man with a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and like a flirtatious dynamic usually or like a really patronizing dynamic. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's it's given me a lot of material for which I'm grateful for. <laughs> yeah. I immediately see more of it patronizing than, yeah. like, <laughs> than anything else yeah definitely thanks the yeah so you write the series yes i have yeah yes. <laughs> um yourself now yeah i mean i've made i've made four i've personally produced four web series mm-hmm. um and a couple of short films and i wear either i will write it write and act in it and produce it, or I will write it and direct it and produce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been good. I feel like it's helped me cut my teeth as a producer and a creator. I'm not super interested in making another series mm-hmm. of that scale. Like it's very indie guerrilla DIY, really fulfilling, really fun. And it's definitely it's like a nice calling card for me in terms of being like a content creator, but it's really not a sustainable model of making anything. Like you don't make money doing it. No. So, um, yeah, grateful to have done it. Definitely suggested as a, as a way of figuring that out, especially as like an early 20 something. So as a writer, maybe if you're not used to like writing, I'm sure it's interesting to see like what's working and what's not working. Totally. And much more like, it's way less intimidating to write like a three page scene than like a series arc or an episode like A, B and C storylines. You're like, I just have to make this three page scene between two people. Yeah. Like very attainable. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good practice for sure. Right. Um, What was your first inkling to make it like make a web series though? Like, did you think about, um, broadcasting it or presenting it on a different platform. I have definitely pitched it to people um, uh, unsuccessfully. Right. Um, and also, I'm really impatient. So I never wanted to wait for, you know, you can apply, like lots of people apply to the IPF or things like that or go pitch it to CBC. But I really just wanted to hurry up and make something. I didn't want to have to wait for money or approval now I definitely will wait for money but it's only because I've exhausted I'm like I know I can make a thing now right Right. so now I need to be a grown-up and like not go broke to make a thing (laughs) although at the same time like all those things all the things that I've made um they I paid for them but there's ways that you can do it that would be like you know another version of me would just you know use this as a trip to Florida or whatever you know you can kind of do it for thousand and change which sounds like you know that's a commitment but if you know you're really yeah on the scale of like making tv and film it's a drop in the bucket nothing yeah 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 it's like nothing yeah 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 um sorry (laughs) (laughs) i was just thinking about what i just asked you (laughs) um i reason i asked that is just because um 
my sister does something with instant miniseries, uh-huh. which is like a platform on Instagram where yeah. they create like 60 second. So I was just wondering if there were other platforms or like why the web series was like the first version. Inkling. I guess it's also just like the way ideas yeah. came to me. Yeah. I'm very in terms of, I think like, uh, when I'm making something, I'll really trust an impulse of like, I see it as this. And then right. usually it just stays as that. Right. <laughs> I don't normally be like, oh, it's actually a film. I'm like, no, it's a three-minute yeah. scene. That should be on YouTube. Also, like, <laughs> web series, I feel like... I remember I started watching a web series when I was, like, in high school. Uh-huh. It was, like, the first one. And it is interesting how they've, like, just developed into this, like, its own media market now. Definitely. Yeah, it had its kind of... It had, like, a little renaissance i think it still definitely has a place Mm -hmm. but i mean there's so many people who will tell you like contradictory things like you should go do this and like get money well there's also in canada too there's like a lot of funding bodies that can get you money to make series web series and then that's a way of you as an artist getting cred and la 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 but then there's other people who've been like you can't make any money doing it nobody's buying them like who's gonna watch it etc etc right but i feel like there's always gonna be it's just like the internet, like everything gives you cancer, you know, like. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, you just do it. That's, yeah. it's, that's my philosophy. You just do it. If you want to do it, just do it. Right. Yeah. 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 And you just kind of keep doing it and hoping that someone. Yeah. Eventually you feel like you'll find your tribe probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone will like notice what you're doing and be like. That's cool. No, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's like the the gamble of it all, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the gamble of the gamble of this entire this entire thing. This entire thing mm-hmm. is that somebody picks you out of the bucket. Yep. Yeah. Um, since that series, mm-hmm. what are you currently working on, like right now? Right now, the things that are interesting me in terms of my own like creative sphere of the things that I'm in control of. Uh, I am writing my first feature and it's about breaking up with your parents. Mm. And although I'm writing it and even I was working on it before coming here and I'm like, Oh, I don't actually know if it's about breaking up with your parents. It might be about like being nice to your parents. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure yet. TBD, but, um, yeah, all of my stuff too usually comes from something that I use it kind of as therapy. I'm like trying to, Mm. yeah understand reflect on things that I'm dealing with in my life or I see in the world around me and it's a way of processing and like placing it somewhere I think one of the reasons when I think but whenever I think about like throwing in the towel uh I just think like you know all the nice feelings in life are great Mm -hmm. but there's like a bunch of shitty feelings you have to wade through and I feel like as an artist it gives like a meaning to those shitty things because you're like, I can contextualize this. I can use this for something. I can put this somewhere. I can understand someone differently mm-hmm. because of this. And I mean, you can do all of that. I mean, you can definitely understand someone differently in a normal context through experiencing it. But I just think you get to, it feels way more productive to be able to like tell a story about it or use it as a form of connection. And so, yeah, I want to think about throwing in the towel. I'm like, what would I do with all the shitty experiences in my life? You would have to get a therapist. Yes. I would have to get a therapist. <laughs> I know. Another <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. But maybe you would have healthcare. So then you could. Right. And then it would be fine. Although even in Canada, I mean, some therapy is covered, but say... we don't have great mental health. Yeah. I don't think that our healthcare pays for therapy, does it? Sometimes I think I, there's resources in Toronto. Like there's like the artist, um, 
Yeah, that thing is cool. Yeah. I've like recently looked into that for the, the first answer. time. Yeah, but I just can't think about it either, but it yeah, exists. It's yeah. out there. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't know what it is, but we'll put it somewhere so people can find it. <laughs> Show notes. That? It's like Ryan just posted, Ryan G. Hines just posted on his Instagram. It's uh, like you have to apply for it to yes. prove that you're like within the artist right. bracket or whatever they're whatever it is but then it's like very affordable and very cheap yeah physiotherapy um mental physiotherapy no psychotherapist psychotherapy yeah Yeah. all those kind of things Mm -hmm. um doctor's appointments cairo body work all that kind of stuff for like very reasonable prices i think they're it might be wrong but like a 60 minute individual therapy session was like less 60 dollars or less maybe if i'm good you know which Mm -hmm. is like much more I, doable. Yeah. I know some, like, in this neighborhood that start at, like, 140. Yeah. Dude, yeah. No, you know? I've recently had to embark upon therapy for the second time in my life, and I found a therapist who I loved, but her, like, minimum scale was 120. Mm. For and an I, hour? Yeah. And I really liked her, too. Um, and I was like, fuck it, I can make that work, you know? Like, you just, you know, you Once spend... Sometimes I feel like you spend the money and then the universe will provide. And yeah. I did it a couple times. And I was like, I really <laughs> can't, though. <laughs> it's expensive if you're going once a week. I, for 120, I was like, I can see you twice a week. I mean, tw- twice a month. Oh, I was like... No. <laughs> Whoa, girl. Twice a month. Twice a month. Right. And, uh, yeah, I was like, you know what? No. So I found somebody now who's, like, uh, 90 bucks. And I like her. And that's yeah. that's better i can probably like swing three times a month with 90 bucks mm. yeah but yeah it's definitely it's expensive it is it is that's why yeah but i feel like with therapy when you do go you're already in a place where you're like the expense if the expense is worth it then you should be going and if the expense isn't worth it to you then you probably are yeah just need to read a book or something <laughs> right <laughs> Go to some yoga classes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I've read books. I'm doing my meditating. Still need to spend money. Right. Yeah. That's, that's when you need to make some phone calls. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right. You're like, my friends have heard this too much now. I need to go to an objective stranger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Your yeah. friends won't answer your phone calls anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're like, I've definitely gone past the, th- the threshold this. here. It is weird that therapy was like so... I remember like... 10, no, 50, maybe 10 years ago. Remember when therapy was like looked so down upon? Oh, yeah. People doing it. Yeah, and like yeah. now it's everybody like has a therapist. It's amazing <laughs> how much like our stigma around mental health has mm-hmm. changed in our lifetimes. But even like, and it's still, there's so much more work to be done. There's right. still a lot of stigma around it. But even like there's mental health stuff in my family. And I remember my grandmother having to, deal with someone I was quite young and it was really devastating for her to you know openly admit that she's dealing with a kind of depression because she's of the generation where it was really like you're just a crazy person then right Right. yeah so she's really trying to hold on to this thing of like I'm not crazy and now today there's still stuff around that but I think depression is much more there's a bit more empathy out there for it right but it's still hard do you think that like has something to do with access to information and like internet and being able to like, just like see it more education and general openness and Mm -hmm. yeah. And advocacy and right. Science, you know, we know a lot more now too. So, but it's, it's still tough going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's like very interesting to think about that we like know so much more about the body and the brain and then you hear like scientists talk about it and you're like they're like we really don't know anything i know it's like, no. <laughs> like we still don't know anything it's amazing right. <laughs> it's incredible oh god yeah. yeah so you're in therapy for the second time second time what was the can we ask what the first time definitely was? i'm yeah. very much an open book Great. i mean, i really appreciate yeah. the beginning like the you know here are the boundaries but i for better and worse, have like not a lot of them. <laughs> That's why I'm in therapy. No. Um, the first time I had to go to therapy was I went to drama school in England and I was 19 when I went and I developed an eating disorder very quickly. I went like through crash course into anorexia. And so I would have moved to England in September and when I, by December, I think I had lost at that point, maybe like 30 pounds, something. Wow. I was really skeletal. It was at a point where it was like, this person is in trouble. The school was beginning to intervene and I was still in denial of it. For me, it was like through therapy, I discovered it was definitely like a control issue for me. I think I was... So, you know, I was living away from home for the first time, living on my own for the first time, having sex for the first time, not anticipating any kind of culture shock because you're like, we speak the same language. My ancestors come from there. Like, mm -hmm. right. Um, you're like, it'll be an easy move. Yeah. yeah. And um, being in this really regimented conservatory program. And I think food just became like the one area in my life that was like just mine. And I became obsessed with, I'm already sort of on an OCD, like light side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I, I just became obsessed with what I was eating, when I was eating it. Mm -hmm. And those portions kind of got smaller and smaller. And it didn't, mine really didn't stem from a, I want to get into that dress size or whatever, or I want to look, I felt, I didn't feel fat or anything, but it was just like starving myself was a weird kind of company and control. Mm -hmm. And it just got, it just kept on my, re, my relationship to it just kept on going like less and less and less and less and less of calories. And yeah. So by the time I can, and I remember like, I kind of like, I obviously knew, but deep down, but had a lot of layers of denial to go through. Cause I remember like telling my mom, like I would always Skype with my parents. And then at a certain point, like the first time my mom said something about me looking a bit thin, mm -hmm. the next time I was like, oh, my camera broke. I can't, oh. I can't talk on Skype anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so I went home, I came home for Christmas and it was very traumatizing, particularly for my mom, um, because I was just so like a shadow of the person that had left in a couple months ago. Right. And, um, as a teenager and a kid, we hadn't ever, you know, confronted anything like this. Mm -hmm. Also as like a girl who was in dance and gymnastics and things like that. My mom was really like, I thought we were out of the woods on mm. this issue and that we wouldn't have to ever be here. And um, yeah, so that was hard and bad, particularly for her. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd say by March of like the March after that Christmas, I had like a light switch moment one day where I just saw myself in the mirror for whatever reason in a different way. And I was like, oh, I do look really ill. 
And my body is also telling me this. I like I had the fur, I had the bad breath, right? I had the heart palpitations, like it wasn't good. And uh, also people who really loved me couldn't quite be like normal with me because they were just like, it was so evident that something was wrong. So for whatever reason that day when I saw myself, I just, yeah, light switch went off and I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm gonna, I don't need to do this anymore. But then I had to be like, why did I do that? Like what just happened And so the school luckily had um, a therapist to talk to, but just one. And I didn't like her (laughs) at all. But I knew that I needed someone who was objective. And um, I really battled through the process with her. And ultimately, it really, like, it helped. It helped me be like, oh, this is a control issue. Mm. And where else does that manifest in my life and my personality and all those kind of things? So, um, so yeah, that was the first first time. And it was also free. So that was right. why I was like, it's free, I may as well utilize it. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I haven't haven't needed it since. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have. I just, you know, don't. Right. How long were you in therapy when that happened? I did her for the rest of the first year, like on a weekly basis. In my second year, I saw her like probably every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the beginning of my third year, I didn't see her because like your, your schedule just goes so insane in the third year, you're in production and everything like that. But as I was getting ready to exit school and it was like looking at the void on what's on the other side, I started seeing her again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I was like, you're free and this is fucking scary. So I may as well right. talk to someone about it. Um, so, yeah. I can't remember what her name was. But, yeah. <laughs> she didn't like her. I That's didn't why. like her. <laughs> she was really bitchy. She was really, she wasn't warm. She was really cold. And, and um, yeah, it wasn't like an, e- it didn't feel nice sitting on a couch for an hour across from her. It mm, felt yeah. like being on the hot seat and being, like, interrogated. It was... Ugh. Yeah. She's like an old British woman. Yeah, she was. <laughs> the fingers, long fingers. Just imagining like a white bun on top yeah. of her head. I would be like, she. her bedside manner was weird too because I'd be crying. I'd be like, and my dad. And she'd be like, okay, that's time. And I'd be like, ah! That's wild. Ooh. Yeah. Also, like, that's time. This is, I clearly am not paying for this. And your job is to, like, totally therapize the students. So, like, I don't know if that's, I think we can come to an agreement and an ending better. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But it helped. So, and there you go. How did you notice your relationship to food change with her? Um, Like, did she, like, give you exercises to be like, you have to eat this much or you need to, like, Tell me what you're eating and record what That's you're eating. That's interesting. No, she didn't actually. Um, I think if anything, she was like, stop recording <laughs> what you're eating. Fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, no, it was, I, she didn't do any of that. She was more like, why do you think, why do you need to do that? Let's look into like how food makes you feel. What are your anxieties around it? How does it help you cope? What else can you do instead? Hmm. Um, and and then also unpacking some of the, like, uh, what it meant to be 
living away from your parents for the first time. And the decision to go to that drama school was really like divisive between my parents, which like I was carrying a lot of like guilt and feeling. Divisive between you and your parents or your mom and your dad? My mom and my dad. My dad was like, you must go. And my mom was like, this is insane. (laughs) (laughs) And like, they were both right. Like it was totally insane, but it was also, you know, in hindsight, a amazing experience that worked out incredibly well, but going through it, it was like very touch and go financially. Um, you know, kind of had a bunch of unnecessary complications that I wouldn't have to deal with if I was like even going to school in Toronto from being living, growing up in Vancouver, you know? Right. Yeah. So, um, also that school's pretty like well known for being hard, right? Yeah. Or, like, hard on its students? I had, like, a crazy acting teacher as a teenager. Right. Who really... Prepared you for it. (laughs) Yeah! I was like, this doesn't phase me. But, um, it was... I mean, it's hard in terms of... There's a lot of direct competition because of your year. And, um, you know, it's hard in terms of all... Your workload is really heavy, um, except for also in the first year, it really wasn't, which is also why I think I spiraled into that because I kind of I was a little unoccupied mm. and um, left my own devices, which wasn't good at that phase of my life. So, yeah, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. It's it, interesting that the first year wasn't heavy, but I that, like, know. Got crazy. I know. I felt so too at that point. Like we didn't get. Like, they want to like just pile it on you? Say, and like the year, did they like try and break you? No, like, it was like. Yeah, they're like, got to get the losers out of here now. No. So we do it right off the beginning. No, it was like six months of being like, are you breathing with your diaphragm? Oh, yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm definitely breathing with my diaphragm. I've been breathing with my diaphragm my whole goddamn life. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. But then after they confirmed we were, then we really hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> It does feel like there's like that first year. There's always like a. It's like always like a really simple task that you focus on too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're just like they're just like you don't get it. I know. And then one day they're like, oh, I know, right? Seems crazy. To and me you're like, I've been doing it the same this entire time. Entire time. Nothing. Fucking... Nothing has changed. No. I know. It's mind. Mind. I'm thinking madness. of lever arm. <laughs> oh, lever arm. I, I. That one makes more sense to me, but. I do think about like just like rolling down and rolling up. In, like, oh yeah, they, up and like, down. You can't spine. roll down. You can't roll up, and you're like they're like no again, and you're uh, like, I mean, I, inter- I could do it a million more times, and I'm going to tell you right now, they're all going to be the fucking same. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's always like a really like simple task, just to like make sure you know that you're not good at something. I don't even know like what the. What, it is. what the just, strategy is trying there. Trying to check your ego. I think that that's part of it for sure. So for sure. It's so interesting. Trauma school is really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes I'm like, it, I think it's so subjective. Sometimes I'm like, yes, go to drama school. It's like an amazing way to, to you know, train. And sometimes I'm like, honestly, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's also like very big differences between conservatory programs and then university programs. Big time. Yeah. Huge time. Which I did not understand until I was in a university program and I was like, oh, uh, I still have to go to class. Yeah. Like classes. Like the mm-hmm. academic portion must be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So true. I had no idea what I was getting into. 
Yeah. You guys met at that time of your lives, though. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Very yes. cool. Mm-hmm. Formative. Yeah. Where he was a year ahead of me. Oh, cool. And likes to remind me of that. Every oh, single, literally every single time we talk to someone. Oh. <laughs> I think it's like interesting because you were a year ahead of me, so we had different friend groups. Yep, true. And then we danced in a company together, but we didn't become like friend, like good friends, close mm-hmm. friends until here in Toronto. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, see, it is interesting. It is. Thank you. <laughs> that part's interesting. I don't really understand the need to constantly remind people she was a year ahead of me. Sure, I'm the younger of the two. Because you guys have like a sister dynamic. It's like she's the older one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get it. Wow. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we met in, um, in Calgary. So. That's how we did it. Right on. Very cool. <laughs> how big was your... Cl- I don't know why. I'm just like... You just had a chocolate egg. Because mini eggs are Sorry. amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> the worst <laughs> idea to just put that in my mouth instead of asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, how many people were in your class? 28. Right. So it's small. Still. Yeah. And it wasn't a program where like you got kicked out. It was like, this is the 28 people. We will go through the three oh. years. For oh, so there wasn't any like, you got to make the cut feeling. It was like, nope, this is you guys mm-hmm. like get to know each other. Go. Interesting. Yeah. But there must be some like important bodies that went to that program. Yeah. With you. Big time. Yeah. That are like big names now. Yep. I see them in movies and on TV. My mom's always like, why aren't you doing that? I'm like, I'm doing stuff, mom. Oh, like, I live in Canada. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Yeah. I there is that. like such a divvy of like, it does feel like there's more of a chance for you to like get in. I mean, depending on what your goals are anyway, but to like be in movies, if that's like the goal yeah. in like the UK in the U.S. more than there is in Canada, it feels like. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, their industries are so exponentially much bigger than yeah. ours, so there's more opportunity. But there's also more people, so, you know, six to one, half a dozen to the other. But I agree that I think there's better... It's better odds. Better man. rates of success. Totally. Yep, correct. Mm-hmm. There's just being more made, yeah. I think. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes I feel like in Canada, it's just like you're immediately like two steps behind because you live here. I know. I can feel that way too in sometimes. Industry, in these industries. Yeah. I yeah. feel that. I don't know. I also think it's interesting that like so many artists rely so heavily on funding bodies here. It's that's like which, not a thing in the States. Totally. It's, it's interesting. It's I mean, the States yeah. look at us and they're like, you're so lucky. And like we are in a way. But it's because we don't have anybody investing in exactly. Arts. I'm like, yeah. in fact, nothing would get made if we didn't if we didn't have those things. Yeah. Right. And also, the process of getting those things is like another job in and of itself. Plus, and then your creative endeavor. Like, yeah, it's night nightmare. Yeah. yeah, you can't just like have a good idea and be able to pitch it to somebody. You have to be able to write it for yeah. twenty people to read. Yeah, against thousands of other documents yeah. and hopefully yours just like stands out a little bit also it's like yeah. so capitalized i was like reading an ar- uh, article this morning for my own research about like capital d dance in terms of like you to write a grant you already have to have like proper grammar you have to like speak the language of the committee you have to you know be of a certain area that they're looking for yeah. you have to like be able to have a computer to write these things on and submit these things on. Like mm-hmm. there's a capitalization in the funding bodies that like they're not looking into, which is like already eliminating a large percentage of people that could be applying to them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's complex. Yeah. Which is a, it, a thing in itself. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like a whole annoying, weird thing that Canada does to like apply for funding. I know. I like also wonder if that's kind of one of the reasons 
mm, why, I don't know how I want to say this. Mm. <laughs> because you look at people that are successful mm-hmm. in the States mm-hmm. that have are Canadian and have left to do their thing, yeah. who have like never gotten grant funding, never done any of those things. Mm-hmm. They've just like, I'm fucking doing it, so I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you, I look at people that like constantly get funding and I'm like, you're not on the same level of these people that have decided to just do no, it. No, it's not. It's so true. And I'm like, are, is like funding actually holding, is like government public funding actually like holding people back? Hmm. That's an interesting thesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the answer is yes. probably yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. The simple answer is yes. It looks yes. like it. Yeah. <laughs> because like you have Optically. to, it's, it doesn't seem like the funding body has anything to do with like the talent. Not at all. Behind it. it has to do with like you can write properly in mm-hmm. terms of like appease the people that are on the committee. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you fit a very specific narrow bracket that they're looking to fund right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is another whole discussion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's very strange. Yep. Sometimes I feel like Canada is just like, if we're, I don't know if we're ever going to, I mean, hopefully with like universal and stuff, putting studios money into here. here. Yeah. But sometimes I just feel like it's like never it's never going to change. <laughs> I know. Just so glass half full. Sorry. <laughs> half empty. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. It just depends on, like, how resilient you're feeling on the day. Totally. 100%. Yeah. You're yeah. like, today I can do it. Yeah. Totally. And then I, like, look at, like, TV shows that are being made here, and I'm like, the last two or three are, like, Shit's Creek. Yep. And with an E. Yeah. Corner Gas. Yeah. And I'm like, Kim's huh. Convenience. What? Kim's Convenience. True. Kim's Convenience. That's, is a good one. That's another one. My favorite one most recently is this show called New Eden. I've heard mm. of, it's with um, Christina. So she's on Grey's Anatomy, right? I, it's these two women. I, the I Asian mean, woman. They live here. No, that oh. is a different one. This is like this cool. You're thinking of Killing Eve. I am thinking You're of Killing thinking Eve. You're thinking of yeah. Killing Eve. That Sorry. is like an epic, amazing like series. Phoebe Wallace-Bridge. Very yes, different. Also yeah. Different, <laughs> different, different scale. But Killing Eve, love. I've watched it twice. It's divine. <laughs> yeah. um, no, New Eden is this new series about this like feminist cult. Right. Ooh. It's, yeah. It's the first thing that I've seen in a while, personally. Oh, God, I feel like a dick about saying it. But it's like, you know, I do think that a lot of the TV that I see being made in Canada has this kind of, like, cardboard uncoolness to it. Feels it feels like it's, like, still using the laugh track but doesn't have a laugh yeah, track. Yeah, you know, there's just this <laughs> undeniable, like, sense of tone when you watch something like Pen15 or, like... Like Brooklyn Nine Nine, you know, like the V shows that are in the zeitgeist that everyone's like, oh, they're so cool. And I'm like, we don't have anything like that. Right. New Eden for me is the thing that's come closest to touching it. I really just, I really love it. So I recommend it. I suggest it. Mm -hmm. Shout it out. Yeah. (laughs) I have heard of that. I feel like. Yeah. I think you can watch it on Crave. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crave is like one of the only ones I don't have. I I know. I know. My boyfriend has it, so when I just log into his account. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Use my mom's Netflix and Will's Amazon Prime. <laughs> That's perfect. I literally don't think I pay for any of the no. services. Lucas pays for all of them. How to budget as an artist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Get people to share their passwords with you. Pretty much. That's yeah. how you do it. That's how it works. That's how you pay for your therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so you, like, 
skim and scrounge everywhere else. That yeah. seven dollars a month is going towards your hair. <laughs> 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 Guys, why? (laughs) It's very true. Um, You had kind of like a, I don't know, I'd call it traumatic. You had kind of a thing happen to you. Yeah, when you were like, what do you want to talk about? And then being an artist is killing you. And I was like, well, I just had an abortion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally happy to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know, sorry, I shouldn't maybe have said, called it traumatic, but is, I don't know. I mean, it's. It's a doozy. It just depends, I guess, who you are. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I think my abortion experience in Canada was, like, a B plus in terms of, like, the logistics of it. Yeah. It was fine. Right. It had things about it that were disappointing and unpleasant, but overall, like, I had access to it. Mm -hmm. I got it done. Where did you get it done? I did it in Vancouver, actually, because I uh, figured out I was pregnant the day before I was flying home for Christmas. Oh, great. So I was love in, that. Yeah, it was actually was great timing because I was like with my mom and oh, that, did you talk to your mom about it? Oh yeah. Oh that's nice. <laughs> yeah. My mom and I are there's nothing I can't talk to her about. That's so lovely. Yeah, she was amazing. She was like I first, you know, called my boyfriend to be like, yeah, confirmed for sure pregnant. And then I called my mom and it she was so funny. I was like I have disappointing news. And she was like, I'm sitting down. (laughs) And I was like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say you booked something and you couldn't come home for Christmas. And I was like, (laughs) I love you. Also, positivity. Yeah. (laughs) TV in your life. Yeah. 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 But for me, in terms of like how that relates to being an artist is fucking killing me. Um... I had some arrogance around abortion because I felt like I have birth control figured out. Like I have an IUD. Mm. I've never had a pregnancy scare. Like it's not that hard. Just like figure out what works for you and do that. And then what personally happened with me was my IUD. Um, I got it. It's still within its like expiry time, but for whatever reason, it just kind of like slipped out of place, Mm. which you can't always feel has happened. Um, so that allowed, uh, a pregnancy to attach to my uterine lining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> an egg. That's, that's, that's what happened. That's what the egg was successful. Yeah. Um, but it was really something I never thought I was going to have to encounter. Right. Did and you have ideas how you were going to deal with it if you did? did no. You, you hadn't was, even thought, no. Nothing. No, that was one of the, like, that was one of I'm now writing about it as a one woman show, Mm -hmm. but that's one of the things that I'm writing about was just like when I, you know, was like, okay, how do we do this? I was literally like, no, like what is going to happen? Like, how do we do it? How Mm -hmm. is it going to feel? What's it going to be like? Mm -hmm. What are my options? Um, And so I had a medical abortion, which is just like, they give you pills and you go home and miscarry essentially. Mm. Um, But like, even the doctor that I saw who, when I, cause I peed on a stick, it was positive, but I couldn't really like one believe it. I was like, mm. is it really? Cause so I have an positive. IUD. Yeah. Yes, you can. So I was like, I got to go in, confirm this shit. And then also be like, how do I get an abortion? Like, what's the mm. protocol here? Um, and even that first doctor didn't tell me he was a bit of a dick though. So, uh, 
And I was flying home. So he's like, well, you just have to go to a walk-in clinic in Vancouver and then they'll refer you to wherever you need to go. So I was like, great, thanks. No help. Bye. Um, yes. But so anyways, uh, I will be 32 in April and I've always wanted kids. I think kids are like a beautiful thing to do with your life. And I'm an only child. So I very much live with the sense of like when my parents go, it's just me and, and I have to build my family, not only just my friend family, but like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like some biological nope. urge to like extend the line. Anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I'd never thought of, I've always thought of kids as like this ethereal one day sort of Mm-hmm. when it happens, I know everyone says there's no good time, but like, there'll just be a time and kids will show up. <laughs> but I really had to be like, oh, I want a kid. I definitely cannot have a kid now. Like, I'm just going month to month. Yeah. And also in terms of, I feel like apart from the financial side of things, which definitely makes no sense for me, um, the hustle and ambition required in building an artistic career, I, I am not in a place yet where I can prioritize another person before myself. Mm-hmm. And I think when I do become a mom, I really want to be able to be like, I'm not number one anymore. And I'm okay with that. And I'm, I'm not there personally. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, that biological clock thing of like, okay, you've got eight years to figure that shit out and come up with a plan. (laughs) Eight years. Yeah. So, uh, ish, give or take, depending on my egg vitality anyways. So that's, that's why I'm in therapy now. Cause that then opened up a whole, a whole bag of existential questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a thing. I'm glad your experience was B plus. Yeah. I mean, I thought for one of the reasons I'm writing about it was like, you know, I'm glad that it was nice. Like it was okay. Um, but I, I'm also like a best case scenario in our country. Like I'm a white lady in an urban center. It's like, that's where your access is the best. Yeah. And access as soon as you get out of the urban centers is really poor and it's often very expensive for women. They often have to travel. And if you're out of province, you have to incur expenses like my abortion. Um, I ended up not having to pay for it. Jury's a little bit out on that. But because I grew up in Vancouver, they told me I was going to have to pay for it. But then I got to the pharmacy and they're like, oh, you have a Pharmacare number. And I was like, I have not used it in like a very long time. And mm. they were like, it's okay. Just like... Mm will invoice you if it's an issue but it mm. would have been four hundred dollars for the yeah the, for oh, the yeah. pills yeah right so but um, had you done that in toronto i think it would have been free yeah it would have been free OHIP would have it would have been it. covered under our OHIP, right? yeah. definitely mm-hmm. definitely but a lot of women have to leave their province like p like pei has one clinic they didn't offer abortions until 2016 after many many years of a legal suit wow. new brunswick doesn't fund clinics and if you don't have clinics, then your hospital wait times are really long. Right. And it's a time-sensitive issue, you know? Yeah. So, Especially um, if you 
do choose to go the route of miscarrying at home. Yeah. Like you can only, that's a very small window of time. Lots of women won't even know they're pregnant until they're out of that window. Sometimes. And then you have to go to a clinic or you have to go to a hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How big is that window? Like two weeks? No. It's, you can take, Six? you can take the pills up to nine weeks. Oh, okay. Oh, well. But I, okay, my, I took the pills and it hurt a lot. It mm-hmm. was not pleasant. And um, like cramp, yeah, like okay. pain, like eight out of ten pain. Wow. Um, also for like a long period of time, like hours for an hour and a half, and it's like contractions. Like Oof. you're kind of doing a like I was seven weeks when I did it, so it's like a seven yeah. week version of labor. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I wish that they hadn't given me a decent heads up on that. I wish they had really? like raised the bar for me to come under, but they were just like, some women experience mild cramping and we're also going to give you some T3 and some Percocet. At which point I should have been like, oh fuck, is this going to hurt? But I was just like, well, I never get cramps, so I guess I'll be a mild cramper. (laughs) And it was so traumatic. And my, my mom had had, um, I didn't know this until I was going through it. Um, but, um, my mom had had two abortions prior to 1988, which was when they were officially decriminalized in right. Canada. And like you, like you, women got abortions in Canada before 1988, and yes. even before six was it 60? It's either 67, 68, or 69 when like the first round of legal uh, of, of it being completely illegal sort of ended. But it was still stupid. Like you, ha- it had to be confirmed by a jury of three guys who were often, or three doctors who were often three old Man. white guys with like old values. And right. none of them could perform it. It had to be performed by a def- another consenting doctor. And the only reason they would say it was okay was if the mother's life or the baby's life was at risk. It wasn't just like, this is an inconvenient life choice for me right now. Like right. you didn't get that option. So uh, oftentimes you had to do it kind of off radar, off mm-hmm. the books, or go to the States. Um, so my mom had had kind of like two off the radar abortions. And she was the one who was like, you know, you're going to ha- you're going to go into like a labor. And I was like, Oh, what? <laughs> I don't think I would know that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it would be like a very heavy period or something like that, which it is as well. It's mm-hmm. fucking brutal. Anyways, did you just like lay in the bathtub and like wait for it to be over? Okay. So Sorry. I, I was listening to another woman talk about this on a podcast and she like booked herself into a fancy hotel. Is this Amanda Palmer? Yes. I listened to that podcast too. I actually put that podcast on. <gasps> wow. Because I remembered that and I was in the <clears throat> I was in the thick of pain and I'm lucky like I haven't had to deal with a lot of pain on in my life. So again, jury's out. I said it was in the eight out of 10 pain, but who the fuck knows? Maybe I'm a baby. Right. Um but I um I put that on because it just made me feel less alone. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. made me feel like somebody else has been through this. And it kind of also just took my mind off of, of the um, in, like intensity of it when the contractions came. Um, and luckily for me, it was like, it was an hour and a half. And when it was done, it was really done. I was a little bit shaky in terms of like that, just like wrecked havoc on my body. But I had also been very nauseous and the nausea was like, gone and I was that was like such relief pregnancy nausea yeah wow yeah so it was a little bit it was like oh thank god I'm just happy to not be nauseous I'm happy that like it's over and we can just move on from here but I was like 
I had originally gotten to the, I'd originally like poured myself like a hot bath because <laughs> you think of like, it's like a birthing set. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I felt the cramps coming on. I was like, Oh, there are the cramps. I'll get into a hot bath. And then all of a sudden I was like, I can't do this. And I was oh, like no. shaking oh, and super, super hot, but also very cold. And I just like took off all my clothes and was essentially like writhing on the bathroom floor. It was Christmas Eve. My like 95 year old grandfather was downstairs. My mom was, was like coming up and being like, are you okay? And for her, she admitted afterwards that like for that hour and a half, because hers hadn't been that painful. And I think I could be wrong because I haven't looked into it medically, but essentially like you induce a labor. So you take a pill that kills the pregnancy. You wait 24 hours. You take four more pills that dilate your cervix. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. You know, mom, if you don't want to know, you should stop listening right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I had an abortion in Toronto two and a half years ago. Yeah. And I did mine at the women's college hospital right here. Yeah. And it was like the best medical experience of my life. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So nice. And yeah. did yours hurt? I, because it's at a hospital, they have an anesthesiologist and I was asleep the whole time. Oh, fuck. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's so, the way to do but it. because it's at a hospital, it requires a lot more time. Yeah. So you have to go in for like pre-op, which mm-hmm. is a separate day. So mm-hmm. you do all the blood work. They do an ultrasound. They do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They send you home. They schedule your abortion. They give you the mesopropanol because mm-hmm. you have to take that before you go in so mm-hmm. that your cervix is dilated. And then you have to sit in the hospital. Mm-hmm. In with a bunch of other women, mm-hmm. you're lined up like, you know, yeah, because they, they have you know, you know, one doctor, one nursing crew, right. one anesthesiologist, and they just like get her done. Yeah, wow. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was fine. It was good. I woke up. I was like very disoriented when I woke up because you wake up in a different room that you go to sleep. Weird. Like anytime you do like surgery, surgery, and they put you under, it's like you wake up and you're like, I don't know where the fuck I am. There's like no one around you. I can see like nurses like walking around and doing things and I'm just like alone. And at that moment I was like very upset, but other than that, it was fine. It was good. And it was not a hard decision for me because I had always said that that's what I would do. Oh yeah. For me, it was like, Yeah, I had a lot of kind of, like, systemic rage around it. Nothing Mm. that was, like, it wasn't necessarily about me. It was about, like, the situation in general. And one of the things was, like, it's a very tough decision. I was like, it's not actually a decision. Like, it's not even a decision. Like, mine is mine. But it is for me. Right. It is for other people. But it was just, like, this isn't even a a choice of yes or no. Mm -hmm. This is, like, a 150% no. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I... I think I was too far along mm-hmm. to do the at-home thing. And I had called a couple of clinics to, like, check what was going on. Like, how... Because I, I was like, I don't know what to do. Right. You're like... I went to one walk-in clinic that I, like, knew and trusted. Mm-hmm. And I, like... There's certain days where it's, like, women only. Mm-hmm. So I was like, went that day, sat down with a counselor and was like, what do I do? And she's like handed me a bunch of resources Mm -hmm. and then I like called some clinics and the first clinic I called there was this like very old very harsh like Russian woman on the phone and I was like oh no (laughs) no thank you and then I was like and I was like I don't have OHIP yet oh god so I was like I don't have like I have my Alberta healthcare card and she was like this is how much it's gonna be and I was like upset and I was like 
And then someone told me, or I found online somewhere at the Women's College Hospital mm-hmm. because I'd been there for a bunch of other work. Right. And work, not plastic <laughs> surgery. <laughs> other things. Other stuff, other lady things. Yeah. And so then I called them and they were like, the woman on the phone was very helpful, very kind. Amazing. She was like, yep, it, but because it's this and this, you need to come in for a pre-update. You need to book this much of time off work and then we will schedule you in. That's good. And then the nurse, while I was there for all of my pre-op days, she was like, or day, she asked me, what do you want to do for birth control after? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've always kind of like thought that an IUD would be a good idea. And she's like, do it now while you're asleep. They'll put it in right after oh and it's done. Good. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. She's like, here you go. Yay. <laughs> yeah. She was like, she knew. That's how it should be. But yeah. it's like, I feel like you're lucky if you get that experience. 100% And lucky. you shouldn't be lucky. It Wait. should just be that for mm-hmm. everyone, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah. So that's why I want to write about it. And also I think for women, like it was, I was born in 88. So that's the year that we were kind of like, okay, we're in the clear. We're not going to make a big deal about this anymore. But I think that, you know, uh, women our age and younger, we've reaped the benefit of like so many generations of work. And I, I feel like I've grown up in a really seemingly equal society. Mm-hmm. And it's only as I get older that I'm like, oh, this is why my mom's so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, when you're standing on that ground that you haven't had to fight for, mm-hmm. I think you can forget you need to protect it and how small it actually is in the scales of history. So... It really opened my eyes up to like, oh wow, this is right. this is not uh, this. It can progress right. can be unraveled so quickly mm-hmm. as we see in the states. Because yeah. of that, are you writing right now in your in this time, or yeah. are you writing in that time? I'm I'm right how I'm writing this story, and for me, it's like it came to me. I'm like, it's a one woman show. That is the medium that we're going to do it. Artist therapy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So right now the show exists as the particular isms and I think interesting tidbits of my personal story. So that's like one storyline. And then in between those things, I have kind of a more of a macro view of abortion the history of abortion, abortion in our country, abortion internationally, um, a bit of the pro-life mouthpiece. And um, so far, the thesis of the show is there's an amazing doctor in the States called Willie Parker, who's like a physician, OBGYN, uh, but he grew up in the evangelical church and was like super, this is you like, know this dude. I read the book. Yes. Yes. I'm reading the book right now. It's so good. It's a really good book. But his argument of like dismantling the rhetoric around mm-hmm. pro life, life pro choice and pro life being like inherently a religious thing. Yes. Yeah. And you can't have religion and science talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's or called, th- um, like God's argument for, for abortion or like something I, the title is evading me right now. Yeah. What is it called? It's like a white book. Yes. And it's got the like kind of pink and the greeny. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. It's amazing. He's, it's an excellent book. It's like very easy to read. It's yeah. very emotional. Very emotional. He talks about like being one of the only few abortion providers in the South mm-hmm. and like how he travels between clinics. Yeah. And he, he like grew up in an, in an 
evangelical church as like a black man. Yeah. You know, and like being, doing that for women. Yeah. It's crazy. It it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, his thing that I find so moving is like, if we're talking about this from a standpoint of life begins at conception, we're not talking biologically because you need a live egg and a live sperm to make that process happen. So life is not an event. It is a process. Mm. And I think that's so true. Like it is, it's all, we're always in process. Um, so that's sort of the thesis right now. Mm. Also, like everyone's entitled to your your own opinion, but one opinion is definitely wrong. <laughs> you can I have it. That statement. Yeah. yeah, you can you can think it. It's you totally true, it. but you're, you're wrong. Come yeah. at us, pro lifers. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy though when you start looking at. You think it's like, especially I, uh, you know, as artists being in generally like quote unquote woke communities and progressive yeah. communities. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's why we're all so shocked when Doug Ford gets elected. We're like, who the fuck voted for him, you know? The rest of the province. Is insane. (laughs) Like, the pro-life movement in Canada is strong. Yeah. And surprisingly large. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of our... I mean, this is... I'm also making an assumption about a large part of Canada's rural. Yes. Mm -hmm. And small. And so... Often, more than not, those kind of beliefs beliefs go along in rural communities. Yeah. yeah. It's really you hard know? when you're in a center because you think that this is like... Everybody's like this. Progressive that bubble. This is the pe- yeah. Also, yeah. you really only like surround yourself by people that like... Agree with you. Agree with you. <laughs> and like... <laughs> most of the time. Most... I mean, really, realistically. Yeah, of People course. are like, we need to be able to coexist in the same time. Yeah, we can coexist, but like, I'm not going to be friends with you. Like... Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, we, it's I don't hard want to be friends with people that are... That have such like different beliefs, worldviews. It is because it really kind of makes you like because you're they're just not seeing the like human side. It feels like sometimes, yeah. Like, I don't know. I question seeing like human side, but like you're not seeing like the the side that's like there's no empathy. Yeah, in journey. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yes, it is interesting because like so much of it is rural people, mm-hmm. even though like lots of people live here, lots of people live in Vancouver. Yeah. But like everything in between, yeah. Abortion in Calgary is still a situation. Yep, I feel so like one clinic in Calgary. Not sure mm. what the what the thing is, but Calgary feels like it's enough of a big city, but it's still it's not. It it's might not be. Not. I mean, there's only I don't can't there's I can't remember how many there are in Toronto, but in Vancouver there is only three. Mm-hmm. Only three. Three sounds like a lot, but when you consider your options, right, you're yeah. like, well, those three are also servicing all the women who are driving out, out from the suburbs yeah, yeah. and the smaller rural places surrounding mm-hmm. the lower mainland. So, yeah, yeah it's not a lot. It's no. Not. Even I will, like, when I was researching what to do, when I found out... There was like anti-abortion and pro-life stuff like come up in my Google coming, searches. yeah. That stuff is coming like, at you. Those things are like built in. They're mm-hmm. you know they have those algorithms. People pay for those fucking algorithms. They to, like, do. They do. There's like crisis pregnancy centers tell yeah. you to go give your kid away for adoption. That's so crazy. It's crazy. How is do you, how is writing a one woman show? I have never done it before. Okay. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that it's like kind of lonely. Yeah. I, but I'm an only child, so right. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm okay. <You're> fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for me, it's like, I'm going to see a lot of one people shows 
one person shows now whenever I can because it's like, what is engaging? Like, how much right. of one person talking can we really sustain? What makes it interesting? Mm-hmm. When do you check out? What's the difference between a one person show and a lecture? Like, how much of it is like involved with the spectators? Um, yeah, nothing like- yet. I have like a point in there where like an easy idea is like figuring out like who has a shared experience in the show. Mm-hmm. I haven't done any like audience participation yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it, the thing, the whole thing right now is very like direct address and very, I like a lot of, in terms of my theatrical tastes, I really love the meta-ness of theater being like, Hey, I'm a person, I'm an actor, I see you there in the seats, you've come in here to pay for a thing, I'm not going to pretend like I can't see you, or I'm, like, not talking to you. <laughs> I'm, like, on a boat in 1950. No, that's not happening. Right. Like, it's cool, answer your cell phone, not a big deal. Like, yeah, it'll, right. it's kind of in that vibe. Right. But I'm not, I don't ask a lot more of the audience other than that, because it's so, like, some people just even can't handle that. Some right, people are right. like, don't look at me. They don't want that fourth wall, mm-hmm. like, broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want that, like, protection of the, I don't know, device of it or whatever. And that's fine. But I, it's not my taste. I would way rather be like, ooh, hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. All I'm imagining is from How I Met Your Mother when Barney has a one-man show. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, nothing. <laughs> you're going to have a bad one-man show. It's just, like, where he does it, like, purposely bad. Yeah, right. it's hilarious. Ginger wrote a one-man show. I didn't know that. It's published. It was in New York Fringe. It won a award. Oh, right. We talked about that when we had our own. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it can work. Oh, definitely. I mean, yes. Fleabag was a one-woman show before exactly. it became an amazing series. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting to think about how that was a woman show. Because <laughs> you're just like, what were the other, was it just her? I think about like how she like then wrote it for TV with other characters. And I'm like, was she, was she just playing all the characters? Or was she, it was just like her like walking and then being like. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, that was, like a very dramatic like head turn to the audience. Okay. Kind of both. She does play. The, I've seen the one woman show and I've read the the like the play of it right and yeah she does play the other actors mm-hmm. but she is in direct address with the audience mm-hmm. saying a lot of the jokes that make it into the make it into the show and some mm-hmm. that don't it's are you good. writing it for something to present it or? i have no idea yet kind of i yeah uh, i've always gone from a like i have an idea we'll make it and we'll figure out where to put it yeah like, right. <laughs> totally right yeah yeah so tbd right now mm. that's cool yeah being an artist fucking killing you? <sighs> Not literally, obviously. <laughs> but it's coming into my 30s and being an artist is a huge new paradigm shift. It was one thing to be like a hustling 20-something, like living in a shitty Toronto apartment, mm-hmm. working on my jobs. But it is a big deal for me now being like, what do I do? I want more money. Mm -hmm. because I want my life to be bigger than it is right now in terms of the infrastructure of being able to provide for kids and Mm -hmm. not, you know, even considering saving for retirement apart from the deductions that they take off of your, like, $800 equity paycheck or whatever. I fucking hate CPP. I'm going (laughs) to punch it in the face right now. Mm. So... 
it's I'm the again, this is why I'm in therapy because I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I, for me, I'm not a person who has another thing. I'm like, I don't have a, oh, I'll go and do that. I'm like, I've always wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. I've always done this. This is the only thing I want to do. How am I going to hack it? Like it. And then as you aged for me, the other complications are like, I have older parents and although they're really healthy right now, I'm like, this is like, we're in the last 10 years where you're like fun before you're decrepit. Also like barring any like unfortunate like health issues coming up. Mm -hmm. And I'm in Toronto because you have to be in Toronto to like do the thing, do the thing, but you're not, they're not. So do I go back to them? But then I make sacrifices, but I ultimately at the end of my days, that's what matters more. Like it's very, it's psychologically hard right now for me Mm -hmm. on, you know, the ground level of my life. I'm moving from A to B things look good optically. Like it's fine, but inside trying to make any type of forecast and be, you know, an autonomous, responsible person who is planning and building a life in a holistic sense, Mm -hmm. having a bit of a struggle right now with it. So, so yeah, it's killing me in a way. Yeah. 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 Those are, I was just talking to someone last night about watching your parents age. Kills me. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's really rough. And your own mortality too. And then you're like, I'm getting older. Like, right. We're all, everything goes. Everything is mm-hmm. impermanent. Yep. Totally. <laughs> Which is like a beautiful revelation to know because it's true, but it's brutal. It's hard being like you. Yeah. With it. Yeah. And when it's like you're an only child, like you said, you know, it <laughs> doesn't really feel like there's a lot of like yeah. things to branch out onto. Yeah, definitely. Or like people to support you. Which yeah. Which is really hard. Yeah. I'm trying to deal with that. I know that's the other thing too. Sometimes I'm like, I can't, I can't just afford one baby. I have to have two babies because I don't want my babies to be in this position. Right. Like, <laughs> <gasps> yeah. So, so annoying. Yeah. We'll check in. So in, sad. Check so in in five shitty. years. Fuck. We should do a where are we ne- where are they now segment. Just, anyway, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for your time. Thank yeah. you. It was Thank so you. nice to be asked. It was very out of the blue. I had no idea who you guys are. And then I had to go and creep both of you and be oh, like, yeah. who are these women and what are they doing? Oh my God. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. um, our, Rachel, um, do you have anything coming up? I'm about to do a show at the Tarragon called Orphan Song, which is a play by a man named Sean Dixon who is, I believe he's a Governor General award-winning playwright. Mm -hmm. And um, it's going to be up in April and May. And, yeah, that's my next official gig. Love that. That's cool. Great. And you can, everyone can find you at? The.Rachel.Karens, C-A-I-R-N-S, at, that's like the Instagram handle. And (laughs) I've got a website and a YouTube channel. If you put in my name, it'll, it'll all come up. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, uh, email us, Instagram us, Facebook us. Send us all of the questions. <laughs> Please. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, see what we're, what's happening next, and to keep up to date on all Gal Pal related stuff. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.